0: Good morning, good morning. I'm mean, is glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Uh, you know, I just felt in my heart as I was worshiping that last song, I guess. And some of those songs were pretty old, and, and it was good to hear them. We used to sing, I exalt thee a lot when I first started. Cornerstone, And, and uh, you know, I was thinking in my mind it brought back a lot of memories, you know. And, and it's very easy right now, I think, at least for me, maybe not you, but to long for the former days. When you look around, you know, in the world, uh, and I'm not even talking about the church world, it's, it'd be easy to do that. But I just felt God saying in my heart to me, you know, what he says in his word. You know, he says, Do not say that the former days were better than these. For did I not promise you that I would do a new thing. See, God still hadn't run out of new things to do. And and we just need to again, in our prayer, and I hope you're doing that with me. Just say, Father, renew your works again in our day. I'm telling you, there's a generation that needs to see a demonstration. You know, Paul said that that he said, I have fully preached the gospel. He demonstrated the gospel. He said, the gospel of the kingdom of God is not in word only, but in power and in demonstration of the Spirit. He said, so that their faith would not rest in man's wisdom. He said, therefore, I I don't come to you just with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power of God, so that their faith may not rest in man, but in the power of God. God, God God's Word, that's New Testament. God's Word desires that. And I found myself just standing down there saying, you know, in prayer, just when I felt like God put that in my heart, because it's easy to say, you know, I, I wish it was like the former days. I remember that days were better, the the church seemed more alive, more of the spirit of God. But uh, let's believe God for today, amen, that we'll see and that our kids will see, our grandchildren will see the power of God in demonstration with signs, wonders, following them that believe, amen. God's still a miracle worker, we sing about it. And, you know, and if we don't put ourselves at, uh, it's not, I started to say at risk, but that's how I say you spell faith is R-I-S-K. We lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's not what we said. That's what God said. Amen. Now, I'm so prophetic that I'm picking up on some of you a little chilly. You, are you all okay temperature wise or some of you kind of cold? Yeah, I'm getting some bump it up. So deacons, bump it up just a little bit. I don't want them to get so cold they can't pay attention. Amen? Turn around, bump somebody's fist, bump them, shake their hand, wave at them, whatever, whatever you're comfortable with. And then you may be seated. Hallelujah. Today I'm just I'm titling this Getting Caught by Your Calling. Getting caught by your calling. That'll make sense as we go along. You know, you can travel anywhere in the world, to any continent, any nation, and you'll find Christians trying to divine the will of God. They're trying to find the purpose of God. And in the American church particularly, over the last few uh, decades, uh, there's been a lot of preaching about you know that you need to find your calling, your purpose, uh, your destiny, and so forth. However, you won't find any example of that in the New Testament Bible. You won't find an example of anybody trying to figure out what God's called them to do. You won't find one prayer with somebody trying to figure out what their calling is. You won't find any of that in the in the Bible, in the New Testament, particularly. Now, God does indeed. How many knows that have a plan for your life? But that doesn't mean He's going to reveal it to you, or at least He's not going to reveal it to you all at one time. And what God wants us to do is He wants us to live our lives, and then that the plan that God has for our lives begins to to unfold, and to our own surprise and delight, if we'll just see it. Um. Uh, he wants you to do what he told man to do, the first thing he ever said to man in Genesis, the first chapter. He, said he wants us to, to be fruitful, and that means in every area. That's not just talking about having babies. Be fruitful and multiply. Multiply what? Whatever God's put in your hand. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, he said. And then he said subdue and have dominion. Now, that's still God's plan for man, for us to be fruitful in our lives, to have a life, not to just survive, but to have it to to the full measure, he said, life. And uh, he, he said, "I've come that you might have life, and and life to the abundant life, life to the full measure is what that what that means." And and so, uh, but God does want us to have intentional lives. In other words, we we live our lives, and what that means is that. When you and I are faced with decisions, particularly big decisions, that we ask God, we pray to God, we seek his counsel, we, we ask God to lead us, you know, what what should we do by his spirit. And sometimes, you know you, you know this, right, if you've been following God at, at law, a lot of times you'll pray and you won't, I mean, you, you don't hear God. You don't hear God. I mean, it would be nice for God to speak to you like the GPS does in your car, you know, turn right at the next intersection. But God doesn't really speak that clearly to most of us most of the time. He, he tells us if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And God, God has freely, freely given that wisdom. And then he says that in the multitude of counsel, there's what? Wisdom. So a lot of times when you're asking God, how you're asking God for wisdom is when you're talking to inspired leadership or people in, in your church and people that you have confidence and trust and faith in. And when they when they speak into that situation, you know, you 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 uh, you have lunch with a person, you share with them, and 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 you're saying, "This is what I'm facing here." And you listen to them, and you could be listening to God, because God's using them. God's using them to speak in, in into your life. And so, I, I think one of the most uh, misquoted and I would say even misapplied verses in the Bible is Psalm thirty-seven and four. And uh, which says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you what? The desires of your heart. Now, when I was a young Christian, I would read that, and I thought that means God's going to give me whatever I want. That is not what that verse means. But that's still what it means to a lot of people, that they delight themselves in the Lord. And a lot of people get excited about the B portion of the second half of that verse, and they don't pay very much attention to the first part of the verse. But what, what, my, what my take on this is, if you delight yourself in uh, with God in other words if God is your delight if you, if you make God the center of your life the focus of your life it's just not a, it's not a Sunday thing it's not a religious thing but, but you, may, you delight in the Lord God is your delight then what that means is God then hardwires you so to speak with dreams and desires that propel us toward the purpose that God has for our lives in other words a lot of times we're spending time praying for God's will To know what that is, and all you got to do is ask yourself, what do you want to do? In other words, when you listen, when you delight yourself in God, God puts in you desires. All of God's desires for you are good. So God puts His desires, God gives you the desires of your heart. In other words, listen to me, God loads your heart with His desires. The very word desire, D E, is of, sire, desires. Sire means father. Like who sired this colt? We're asking who the father of that, whore, that, that baby colt, the horse, you understand? Sired. So D-E, of, the father. So desires are of the father. In other words, if you spend time in intimacy and, 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 and seeking and delighting in God, God is filling your heart with his desires. And a lot of times when people, you know, I, I told you this before, when people come to me, a lot of times they're struggling over the will of God. Do I do this? Do I go here? Do I live here? Do I go to this college? Do I, you know, take this job? Do I do this? You know, I, and my response now is always, what do you want to do? And they look at me like I'm crazy. Well, I came to here to find out what God wants. I'm, I'm saying God's already hardwired you with what he wants you to do. Right? Now, if God's not your delight and you're not delighting in the Lord, you don't, you're not spending any time, you know, with God. It doesn't mean you're lost. It just means that, that you're not attuned to what God's desires are. But what do you want to do? What's in your heart to do? You, you want to do this? You want to well, do it? Listen, God's big enough that he can speak to you if he sees you heading down the wrong if he wants to, I remember when I first started out in the ministry, we evangelized for six years. And I remember our denomination I was in, you know, I guess had drawn some attention to me. And, and I had never went to the state headquarters and asked them to be a pastor or for a church or, or spoken that to anybody. And, uh, and so I got a call from the state overseer. And he said, I want you to go. It was a town near Dublin, Georgia. I want you to go to this, you know, particular church on a Thursday night and I want you to meet with the people and and I would like for you to pastor up there and I'd like for you to take that church and move up there and uh, and he said so this was, he was talking to me on Wednesday he said I want you to be up there tomorrow night they're going to have a meeting and I want you to meet with the people and, and I'm going to call you Sunday afternoon for your answer so I'm an obedient son and I went and did and I loaded up my wife and three kids and we drove to Dublin Georgia and we went to this church and we met with the people and and it was pretty weird. I'm not going to lie to you. It's a nice church. It was a nice building. It was full of people. And uh, so me and my wife walked in, and and I could immediately tell when I walked in. I don't mean this offensively, but I was in a very legalistic environment. By the way, everybody was dressed. And, uh, you know, but I was raised in Holiness Baptist, so I was pretty familiar with all that. They got up and sung a couple of songs, and they invited me to the pulpit to greet the people and tell them about myself. Well, I'm not, you know, I can tell you about Jesus, but I ain't too interested to in tell you much about me. But I got up there, and I remember I talked just a little bit, introduced myself, introduced my wife, my three kids, told them what I did. I was chief of the Merch Medical Service in Tifton at that time, and the overseer asked me to come, and here I am. And there wasn't any state official there, it was just the the clerk of the church and the leadership, the deacons, and the people. And I won't go into play-by-play play and step-by-step, step, but the question, then they allowed the people to ask me questions, and they were just like really weird questions. It wasn't, like, it wasn't what I was expecting, but that wasn't why I didn't take the church. I remember one guy asked me, he said, you know, well, let's just say that we, you know, we vote you in. It was one of those kind of deals, you know, where they vote you in. Listen, if you can vote me in, you can vote me out, but if you didn't vote me in, you can't vote me out. You see what I'm saying? But he said, if we, you know, if we if you come here, he said, and 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 you gotta remember, I'm in a full congregation with four people, and I get asked this. He said, if you come here one Sunday and, you know, and, and, and I mean you come here and you're our pastor, and he said, one Sunday, you know, that we come up to you and we tell you we feel like it's time for you to go, how would you respond to that? What immediately came to my mind was God, but I was too wimpy back then to to obey him because I thought that would be like being a smart butt. No, it's just being like Jesus if you read the New Testament. I should have said, let me ask you a question. Let's just say I come here, I'm your pastor, and I've been here a couple years, and I come to you one Sunday morning and say, I feel like it's time for you to leave. How would you respond? <laughs> See how brilliant that was? That was God trying to get me. That's what I should have said to the guy. What, what, what I said to the guy was that if I come here, it will be because God sends me here, and if he sends me here, I believe he'll be the first to tell me when it's time for me to leave. That's what I told him. I thought, well, that's a nut guy. I'll remember that guy if I do come here. All right, so any other questions? The other question was the guy on this side raised his hand. said, let's just say you get mad at one of our members, you know, and you get upset with them. Are you going to come every Sunday and preach and beat up the whole congregation just because you're trying to get that one guy? I'm not making this stuff up. This is the questions they're asking me. I don't even know what I said to that one. I never got a question about souls, God, perp none of that. So, I, But apparently I passed the test of the, the big congregation, and then the deacons carried me to the back room. Left my wife and all in there, kids, and then the deacons carried me to a Sunday school room and then, you know, asked me other stuff and just kind of told me. And and, and I remember the overseer called me on, you know, and said that I got like 98% of the vote, you know, to go, you know, to be their pastor. And, uh, but on Saturday night before that Sunday, and I was under in my own, I put it on myself, I put tremendous pressure on myself to take that church. I thought was overseers called me, I should take it, I should, you know, do what he wants me to do. But thank God, Saturday night, and so in my mind, I was really just probably, heading that way, and, and Jill didn't say anything. My wife, she was, I think she was terrified I was going to take it. She just didn't feel like it was right at all. And, I, uh, and it wasn't like that we didn't want to do that. We were living in a two-bedroom apartment just so I could quickly be mobile and go. Because I knew God had called me to be a pastor. But what I'm trying to use that as an illustration, i got to use my story, but it's the real story. But on Saturday night, God came to me in such a clear dream. And I won't go into details of the dream, but he clearly communicated me in that dream that it was not his will for me to take that church, which gave me tremendous boldness. So when that overseer called me on Sunday afternoon, I said, Brother so-and-so, I said, I won't be taking that appointment. I appreciate the offer, thank you, uh, but I don't feel like that's what God wants me to do. What do you think his response was to that? You want to hear what it was? He said, well, i tell you what, I'll never offer you another church again as long as I'm an overseer. He said, that'd be a great opportunity for a young man. And he said, so I won't offer you another one. Thank you. Wasn't that a blessing for a young preacher? So I, then I had to realize that the will of God don't really factor in this deal here. This is just chess pieces on the board. You're just a number. But God protected me. Now, did, did, and, and God's not doing that just because I was in the ministry of preaching or whatever. God will do that for you. God's directing your life, and God does have a purpose in a, for your life, but He's just not going to give it to you. You're, I don't know. No, see, you're too old. You're too young to remember what well, us older folk remember. You used to get an atlas that had like every state in it and <laughs> maps. You know what I mean? You don't get that with God. You, you might get He might tear off a little corner of a of page that you happen to be on, but that's about all you're getting. Because God don't want you following the map, so to speak. He wants you to follow His Spirit and being daily trusting in Him and being led by Him. Uh, most Christians think of their calling as a to-do list from God or a wish list or a job offer of what God wants them to do. And, and really, it has little to do uh, with any of those things at all. L- listen, our calling is first and foremost a calling to him. In Mark chapter 3, Mark chapter 3, verse 13, 14, and 15, I want you to see how many times in these three little verses it says him, him. And so in Mark 3, 13, this is what it says, and he, this is Jesus, went up on the mountain and he called to who? He called to him those he himself wanted. Can I just say to you that God wants you? And when God calls you to be saved, so that's your calling. Your are calling an election be made sure. God's calling you out of darkness into light. God's calling you from saint to sinner. That, that's God's calling. So it says that he went up on the mountain, he called to himself, those he, that he wanted, and they came to who? To him. And then he appointed twelve. That they might be what? Do you see it? They are appoint, You are appointed to be with him. And then he sends them out to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. Three times we got in these little verses, he's calling them to him. He went up to a mountain and he called to him. They came to him that they might be with him. Anybody see a pattern here? So your first and foremost calling is to him, and then you go out and do what God has called you to do. Now, in their particular case, it meant to go out and preach. In yours, it may not be that. But he sent them out to preach, and it says, and to have power. The reason a lot of times we don't have the power to heal the sick and cast out demons is because we've not been with him. In other words, it's not because God has removed that from us or we we don't have the anointing and all that kind of stuff. No, no, it just just means that we don't have that confidence to, to exercise that faith, to move in that arena. You know, I spent decades praying for the anointing. I thought it was something God did arbitrarily would give one Sunday, take it away next Sunday. You know, we had a hot service one Sunday. We didn't know why. Let's do it again. God kind of deal. That's not what the New Testament Bible teaches. You don't ever find anybody praying for the anointing in the New Testament. Never. You know why? Because you've already been given it. The Bible says in First John chapter 2, for, you, for you, you have the anointing from the Holy One. You, you don't need some powerful preacher to lay his hands on you so you'll be anointed. You've been, you've been anointed by the most powerful preacher in the world, and that's Jesus himself. You have an anointing that you receive from the Holy One. Jesus is the Holy One. I, I'm not saying you, sh- you shouldn't have people lay hands on you. I'm not saying that. But you're not, you're not going to a guy to get his anointing. Because you, you, you've received an anointing. It didn't say you'll, you'll get it if you pray for it. You, you, over and over the New Testament says you have the anointing. Well, whether I have it, I don't feel it. It don't matter whether you feel it. You're saved whether you feel it or not. I don't know if you're like me. I wake up some days and don't really feel that particularly saved. Especially if folks cut me off on the highway. I don't feel saved at all right at that moment. I'm kind of more toward the heathen world. I want to wave at them with one finger. And instruct them in how to drive. I know y'all better than that, but y'all just pray for me. I need the prayer. You need to practice. Hallelujah. But listen to me. You have the anointing. So my prayer this morning, before I came here, was was like this: Father, thank you for the anointing that I have been given. Thank you for the anointing that resides on the inside of me in my spirit. I pray today that I will allow that anointing to flow unobstructed and uninhibited out today, and I would be obedient to what your will is for this purpose and this people. That that's my prayer. See, it, it, our, our calling is to him. We're, we're called to him. And 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 we need to answer the question of the why of our salvation. See, most people tend to make the gospel or being born again about. That's how you get to heaven. It's like, a, it's like a bus ticket to heaven or something. But Jesus said being born again is the way back to the Father. God's not trying to get you saved so you'll have a ticket to heaven. God's not even trying to save you so you can go to heaven. Being a Christian is not, is not about heaven. Being a Christian is about coming home to the Father. Jesus says no man cometh unto the Father, except through me. Being, be, being born again is about getting back to the Father. Uh, Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save. No, notice this, that which was lost. The Son of Man did not come to save him that was lost or her that was lost. We're not talking about him or her here. He's, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that, that which was lost. We're talking about a that here, not a him or a her. All right, so what, what is that that was lost? i tell you what we lost. We lost union and communion with the Father. We lost our identity as sons and daughters of the Father. And so, m- listen, most preaching approaches man from his depravity. Most preaching focuses on man as a sinner and his depraved, sinful state. But that's not what the the New Testament does at all. It's not what it does at all. Uh, And we've talked about this over and over because there's always new people and new people listening and they need to hear this. But in the New Testament, see, when you come to an American church and you say, I want to get saved, they're going to say, bow your head, close your eyes, confess your sin." right or wrong. They're going to focus on your sin. They're going to approach you from the point of your depravity and your depraved condition as a sinner, and and they're going to make that the launching pad. That is totally non-New Testament. When the Philippian jailer asked the apostle Paul, what must I do to be saved? He did not say, bow your head, close your eyes, confess your sin. He never used the word sin, none of that. He just said, believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. Why didn't he mention the guy's sin? Because sin is no longer a problem between God and that man, that Philippian jailer. Why? Because Jesus has removed the sin of the world when he died on the cross. That's what most of the church still don't know. They don't know that they are forgiven. They think they have to do something to be forgiven. But God has forgiven you whether you wanted to be forgiven or not. He didn't ask your permission to be forg- None of that. He forgave you. How did he do it? By the, the, the remission of sin, happened because he shed his blood. When's the last time he shed his blood? 2,000 years ago. He took care of not sins, plural, sin, noun, not verb, noun. The sin, noun, of the world. The Son of God, Jesus, removed the sin of the world. See, Jesus didn't die on the cross to expose my sin. Jesus did not die on the cross to expose my sin. He died on the cross to remove my sin and to expose my value as a son of who was away from Papa. And, and, and so God sees us uh, in the way and for the purpose that he created us, not, not in what you've been exposed to, not, not what's happened to you. See, no preacher ever told me this truth. If we can show people what they were created to be, then that's how you remove them from the way that they're living. You, you can't tell them to get out of the hog pen because they're in the hog pen. You've you got to give them a reason. The reason you need to get out of the hog pen, let's go to Papa's house. See, it's like kids out and they're dirty and they're in the mud. And, and if all you do to go out and just get on to them about how dirty they are, you, you can holler, clean up all day. They're, they're not going to clean up. You had not given them any purpose to clean up. But if you say, y'all get in there and clean up because we're going to the movies and out to eat, then they're getting up out the dirt and they're going to clean up because now they've got a purpose to clean up. You understand I'm not talking about going out and eating movies. You understand you've got to give people a purpose. You can tell them stop your drugging, stop your thugging, stop your mugging, whatever you want to do, but they're not going to stop it because you're not giving them a higher purpose. You're not telling them what God has created them for and you're not telling them the value that God's put on their life. See, if we don't see... What the Bible says that while, everybody say while. While you while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated his love for us. Now, see, sometimes we miss that little word while. While we were yet sinners. That means while you are doing your stuff, God says, I still love you and I'm dying for you. Why, why are you doing it? See, that ain't how the world treats you. They you you stop it and then they'll start messing with you. <laughs> But God says, I loved you while you was doing it. That whole time you was doing all that. While you were doing it, I loved you. While you were doing it. In the middle of you doing it. While you committing adultery, lying, stealing, cheating. While you were doing that, I love you. I love you while you're doing it. I'm not loving you because you stopped doing it. I'm not loving you because you're trying to be better. I'm loving you while you're doing it. While you're doing all that, I love you. I love you while you're doing it. (laughs) Do y'all get that? Like, Man, that hit me. Why are you doing it? While while I was yet a sinner, while I was still sinning, Christ loves me. And he didn't just say it. He demonstrated it by dying on the cross for me. Isn't that good? Now, if we don't see that while we were sinners, he loved us, and if we don't get a, a, a... captured by his first love for us, then what happens to those Christians? I'm not saying they don't get saved, but they get saved to serve. You ever heard that? Saved to serve. That's bull. I don't know any other way of saying it. People, churches put it on banners, sticking it in church. You're not saved to serve. God did not save you so you could serve him. That's not in the Bible. I'm not saying, okay, it would be like this. Okay, Jill, I will marry you for you to serve me. <laughs> Crawford, you want to take over from here and take? <laughs> <laughs> we, <laughs> we have this little joke going between us. He left me. I did, I did get your message. Out there. It was, it was a kind of a rough time. But uh, Crawford's always telling me to pick at Jill about if I'm out mowing the yards, you know, she's a good woman. She'll bring me a glass of tea out there while I'm mowing or something. Amen. Ain't that true? And then he told, he told me the other day, he called me and said he read a little joke on Facebook that says, you know, if you're going to ask her to watch for dinner, just at least wait till she gets through mowing the yards before you ask her that. Did <laughs> she gets through mowing the yards? <laughs> <laughs> if I understood it, stood you right. Yeah. I didn't marry her for her to serve me. I married her because I loved her. Now, does she serve me? Absolutely. I'm not going to tell you how good because you might want her. (laughs) And I serve her, and it's out of love for her. But it's not out of duty or compulsion, and I'm not trying to pay her back. Christians that feel indebted to God you know, and this is the message that unfortunately you get sometimes from the pulpit by these folks that just don't understand this. Well, God saved you. He gave you his life. What are you going to give him? He's done that for you. And so and if, and it's a sick religious way that you're actually offending God by trying to use human perspiration to pay God back for what he did, which he called grace. But now you feel indebted. And if you feel indebted, then it's not grace. Grace is free. Cost God, but it's not costing you. Don't try to charge people for what God said is free to them. And, and and so they feel indebted to God and then they're reduced down to serving Him instead of knowing Him. Trying to pay Him back because He saved you. That is a miserable religious way to live as a believer. And God never intended that. It's blasphemous for it's even a think that we could in any way pay God back for him dying on the cross for us. We can't pay God back. And God doesn't expect you to, nor does he want you to, nor could you. But but yes, we serve God. We do things, on, you know, for God and his kingdom, but because we love him. Because he's our father. And we want to demonstrate his love for other people to see it. And, and, and we just do it because we love God. And and John 17 and 3, Jesus said this. He said, and this is eternal life. In other words, Jesus is about to define eternal life for you. He said, this is eternal life. What is it? That they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. He said, what, if you want to know what eternal life really is, it's knowing God. He, he said, that, that's just what it is. I, I want to make this statement to you. Listen, we, we don't find our calling just knock that off, man. Knock it off. It, it finds us. You, you don't find nobody in the New Testament. I'm just telling you. I know when I said it a while ago, I could tell it, you, you almost think I said something wrong, because you've heard so much preaching about find your calling, find your purpose, find your destiny, find out what God wants. You. It's none of that stuff. Live your life, man. If you're on the if you're on the on a horse on the Damascus Road headed on the wrong direction that God's got planned for your life, God know how to get you off the horse. Ask Paul. He wasn't praying and seeking the will of God. But God, his will found him. Those disciples, they just fishing, man. they just fishing. They're just doing their stuff. Jesus comes and finds them. He says, you follow me. The will of God, the call of God finds you. You don't find it. You can put your life on hold. You can miss out on some good stuff. Don't waste time sitting around trying to find out what God's call is. I mean, it's okay. You say, well, I'm going to go to this university. You know, it's great. I would pray about that. That's a big decision. But if you, if God, you don't hear God give any leadership direction to you, just say, God, I'm just going to go to whatever XYZ school. If this ain't your will for me, you better be for speaking up. And if he don't speak, go and be your best and enjoy your life. Because God's not going to all be thunder from heaven every decision you got. He's given you the spirit. He's given you wisdom. And so when it comes to the calling that's on my life, it's really pretty kind of simple as far as the options are. It's like who, whom am I going to serve? In other words, what population am I going to serve? And you can serve people in a lot of ways. Uh, once you figure out what population you're going to serve, you've got to figure out what place you're going to do it in, what locale, what location. or well, Where do you want to live? I mean, you could have been carried to the mountains in a little in, as a kid and got inspired by the mountains and just loved the mountains. That's all you want to talk about. Anytime you get a chance to go, you go. I mean, that might be where God wants you to live. I mean, desires of your heart. You have desires. And God leads and directs and, and uses you in those, in those ways. Uh, and then, you know, what problem am I going to fix? In other words, the fall of man, sin coming into the world, that caused a lot of problems for this world. And so we're still dealing with the fallout of those problems. What, what, what problem of, of the fall, you can say it that way, are you going to fix? And, uh, and then what process uh, are you going to be involved in? In other words, what, you, what are you, you going to do? You know, I, I know my, my oldest son, he's, he's always, you know, he's he just always been, he's had an entrepreneurial heart since he was a teenager. And, and, and so, and he just, and he, he burns at that, man. Just, I mean, he just, and he just, you know, it's his deal to take people that don't see themselves as ever being able to achieve some things and propelling them and help them. And what he's doing is defeating that poverty mentality. And, You know, I mean, we're all, we're all called to different, different things, you know, and and listen, I'll tell you, it don't always go toward our 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 plan at all. And God has never followed my script. You know, what I mean, you know what I mean by that? I, I've wrote out how I thought God should do everything, and He's never followed what I've told Him. He 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 hadn't. And people always in the church, yeah, Lord, never. He, you know, he, he, Lord's always on time. He's never late, and 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 I found out He's never early either. Never. He never early, (laughs) And when he does come on his time, he's late by my time (laughs) a lot of the time. I'm just telling you. Uh, Joseph in the Bible, there's no greater example. 17-year-old kid, Joseph, okay, Genesis 37. If you want to pick it up from there and start reading the rest, you know, it's just a great story. But he's 17. He's got a lot of brothers. Now, he's half-brother to all of them except Benjamin. Joseph and Benjamin got the same mama, uh, but the other ones are half brothers. You could call it that way. And at 17, though, God is beginning to give dreams to him. I pr- listen to me. I promise you, at 17 years old, you, God's already loaded your heart with dreams He has for your life. He's at 17. You had them. You're on. It's not because God hadn't given them. They're on board. At 17, just like Joseph, and so he has his dreams. Now, some people debate you know, this or not, the Bible just is silent on it. The fact, other, all the thing the Bible says is he, he has those dreams and, and what these dreams are, they're pretty vague. He sees stars and moons bowing down to him. He sees sheaves, you know, bowing down to him. In other words, what he sees himself is in a position of leadership and authority, you know, and pretty significant authority because not only do we have sheaves of grain and corn bowing down to him, now we've got sun, moon, and stars bowing down. That's a pretty big deal. Now, he tells his brothers this dream, and the Bible says they hated him for it. Now, he, he has, but, you know, when, he, when they said, we hate you because of the dream, God didn't stop giving him dreams. God gave him another dream. And that's when he saw sun, moon, and stars bow down. And he told that one to his mama and his daddy, or, you know, to his dad. And his dad said, shall indeed we bow down to you? <laughs> I mean, even his dad is questioning the dream. Everybody's not going to salute your flag. Everybody's not going to, even if God's given it to you. I mean, God gave Mary Jesus in her womb. (laughs) She shared that with her espoused husband, Joseph. He didn't believe a word of it. Everybody's not going to believe it, even if it is God. Okay? But the truth will bear out. But listen to me. So they hate him for it. Now, his daddy, listen to this. His daddy uh, had made him a coat of many colors. And, and it just signified how much he loved him because he said he's the son of my old age. He said, I, I didn't believe, I thought I was too old to even have a kid. And, and look at here. And, and he had this coat. And his brothers hated him because of the coat too. And, and so he's got this coat. And they hate him for it. Now listen to me. The Bible, Jesus gave a parable about the sower. And, 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 and he talks about the soil and all that kind of stuff. And, and then he says that some of the seed went on, on good ground. Everybody say good ground. Uh, say, Father, make me good ground. All right, but he said when the, when the seed, which is the word of God, nothing wrong with the seed, the, the, the harvest you produce, the fruitfulness that's in your life, is not because God didn't give you the good seed. you like to blame it on that, but the problem is the soil condition. And you the ones that decide what kind of soil you're going to be. See, it's going to get quiet up in here now. But he said, now, that seed went in good soil. God says all the soil's good. But he said some of it produced 30-fold, some 60, some 100. Now, listen to me real carefully. There's a lie that circulates through the church world that some folks are just made to be 30-fold Christians. Some made to be 60, some made to be 100. I do not believe that at all. I believe 30-fold folks settle for 30-fold. Now, it's going to get quieter. 60 folk folks settle for sixty-fold. a hundred folks said they wouldn't settle for nothing but a hundred. All right? Joseph has got a coat. He's given to him by his father. It expresses love and even maybe authority in, that own, in his own local house. But listen to me. It's a thirty-fold coat. So God ordains his brothers, half-brothers, to rip it from him. You know why? Because he would have been satisfied to stay with that 30-fold coat. But God's got a higher purpose for his life and a greater will for his life. Now you may be saying right now, why am I going through this hell? Why did I get laid off? Why do I not have a job? Why did this happen? Because God's got something better for you. Because you would stay in that 30-fold situation the rest of your days. But God says, you're better than 30-fold, and I'm not going to let you stay there. So I'm going to drag that 30-fold coat off of you. Now, he thought it was the worst day of his life. They tore that coat up, put lamb's blood on it, sent it to his daddy, and said he's dead. He got sold into slavery, and he ended up in a guy named Potiphar's house. Now, Potiphar puts another coat on him. And he gives him authority all over it. And don't think Potiphar. Potiphar was a wealthy, wealthy man with a huge enterprise. And he put Joseph in charge of everything. He didn't happen the first day he arrived, but through the favor that was on Joseph's life, that man recognized that favor, didn't know what it was or who it was coming from, but he knew this guy was a great guy, and he gave him that, that 60-fold coat. Now he's in a 60-fold ministry, he got a 60-fold coat, and he's not dealing with a local house. He's dealing with a big enterprise here, and this guy's giving him great authority. And, and, but, but God ordains for this man, this man's wife, she drags that 60-fold coat off of him. Why? Because he'd have been satisfied to retire right there and just stay in that 60-fold deal. God says, I got a higher purpose for your life, and there's more people that need you than just this Potiphar. And he thought it was the worst day of his life. And she drugged that coat off of him and used it as proof that he tried to rape her. And he lied. she lied and got him thrown in prison. And he was in there for several years. But after two years, God's plan is still working in his life. And God's purpose is still there. And he goes from the prison to the palace in one day. And Pharaoh now puts a hundredfold coat on him which is where God was trying to get him the whole time. And, and now he's in, listen, he's in a position to feed his whole nation of Hebrews who were starving because of famine. He's in a position to feed all those 30-fold Christians and 60-fold. He's, he's in a position now to walk in the fullness that God had destined for his life. And he didn't pray any prayer, Lord, what's your will for my life? He just lived his life, and those things caught and found him. And though, though it wasn't pleasant sometimes at the moment, God was taking 30 fold. No, that's not good enough. 60 fold coat. No, that's, that's Potiphar's coat. Pharaoh's what? We're we going we go to the top here. You're going to be the prince of Egypt. See, now, in my life, and I don't have the time left today to tell you, but, there, you know, I, I think that's just human nature. I don't think it's just weirdness in, in me. It's easy to get comfortable in whatever coat you're in. And sometimes things happen in your life where God is directing your path. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. What's a good man? The, the man that's in Christ. For there is none good, saith God, but one. That's That's God. The steps of a righteous man. Who's righteous? Those that have achieved it? Nobody's ever achieved it. Only people have received it as a gift, Paul said in Romans. Righteousness is a gift that's given to you when you're born again. Where are you righteous at? In your spirit. You don't demonstrate it all in your flesh, but in your spirit, you are just as righteous as he is, so are we in this world, 1 John 4. And so, listen, God is working things in your life, and even though Sometimes you, you feel like I was comfortable with this thirty four coat you try, you know they took it from me, they took it from they 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 eliminated my job, they 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 closed the company. I I don't you you just go into a bigger coat. You understand you go you go into a higher level, but don't get real comfortable there because God may have better for you. Anybody believe that? Last statement: Your sins your failures, and even the attacks of the devil, that does not cancel out God's will or calling for your life. Do you hear that? The Bible says in Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, for the gifts, plural, and the calling, singular, of God are irrevocable, are irrevocable. So the gifts and the calling of God it, it, nothing changes that. It, it's not going to change it. Now, people may change what they think about you, but th- nothing, nothing changes that right there. You got one calling, you got many gifts. Now, I want to tell you: as I end this? God's got a destiny for you, for everybody in this. In this listening to this message, I, I assure you, your no, your number one calling is your call to Him. You're called to him. And the more time that you can focus on him, delight in him, the more he's downloading your heart with desires that he has for you. And I want to say this. It's just like this. Some people think this is kind of antiquated illustration, I guess. Maybe it is, but it's a good one. GPS, we, we all pretty well know what those are now, okay? That's God's purpose saddle or system, whatever. <laughs> but when you set that GPS, to a location that you want to go to. Now, in my heart, God has set his own location he's got it for you. It, like Joseph, if it was Prince of Egypt, that's that's where God's got it set for. And no matter what path he takes to get there, that's where he's going. Now, the thing I see about Joseph is Joseph just kept hanging in there, and I never see any prayer where he said, God, I don't understand this. Why you'd let this happen? He didn't do none of that whining that we do, that I do. He didn't do any of that. Uh, so, but, but I want to tell you something about your life. What, whatever destiny God's got set for you, you're still the one driving the car. God, God, is, God is not driving your life. You're, you got, God's in control. God's not in control. God's in charge. But that's still one of the biggest lies that church folks circulate. They do it all the time on Facebook and every other social media. God's in control. God is not in control. He is not in control of this world. The the, the Bible says God has this world he has given to the sons of men. The heavens, even the heavens above, that's the Lord's. But that's why heaven's a perfect place and earth, you know, has some problems. Because God's not in charge here, we are. That doesn't change God's sovereignty or none of that, God's power or whatever. But God is not in control. It's, I've told you this over and over. It's like the Valdosta Police Department. They are not in control of Valdosta. If they were in control, there'd be no murders today. There'd be no rapes. There'd be no suicides. There'd be, there'd be none of that. There'd be no car accidents. But the Valdosta Police Department are not in control. They're in charge. Big difference. So God gave the earth to men, and he gave us the authority, and God and God has a will for this earth. But his will is not always done on earth. It's not his will that any should perish. Are people perishing? It's not his will. He desires all men to be saved. Are all men being saved? No, they're not. But it's God's will for all men to be saved. That's why he said, pray that my will would be done on earth like it's how? God's will is done in heaven. Why? Because he's in charge there. But God's will is not always done on earth because men are in charge here. You see the big difference. So we got to stop. Oh, Lord's in control. No, God's not in control. You just say that because you're scared and you hope he is. Let any disaster come. Oh, Lord, look on Facebook. God's in control. God's not in control. Don't tell that to, you know, God's in control. God, God took your baby. He needed an angel in heaven. All these people steady. I understand it. It breaks your heart. I, I get it. But all these people, put well, you know, heaven gained another angel. No, they didn't. Stop putting that on Facebook. You, you, none, you, you ain't never going to be no angel, never have been. You're higher created being than that. The Bible says we shall judge angels. Your loved one that has passed on is not an angel. Angels are ministering spirits sent, to, sent by God to minister to men. We are much higher created being and purpose than an angel. We just get all religious. Oh, heaven gained another angel. Heaven, you know, she got her wings today. You know, wings. You're not an angel. Apples, oranges, different species, different purpose. <laughs> Amen. Now listen, you get off course, you set your GPS, and you're supposed to go this way, and it tells you, and you take a right or take a left. And then, and then it's always a woman. Notice that man, it's a woman telling you which way to go. It's never a man's voice on, my, on GPS. I guess they make them like that, I guess, but I've never heard one. It's always a woman telling <laughs> you. Make a U-turn. <laughs> Turn around. Do this, do that, whatever. But that GPS, y- you can still disobey it. And you can take a lot of wrong turns and eventually decide to come to your senses. And I'm not smarter than this. I don't have global positioning satellite map in my mind as I thought I did. And maybe I should just get back on course here and try to end up at my destiny. And, and you will still arrive maybe a little late. And, and you went a whole different route. And you may, you may experience a lot tougher road to travel on. But you got there. God has a purpose for your life. And you're still in charge of your life. And you can turn. You can disobey. You can say, I think I know better than you, God. And instead of going straight, I'm going to get off here. Or I'm going to do this. Or I'm going to do that. And and God God loves you the same. And God's there for you. And it's just going to take you longer to get there. and, And you may not feel as good as when you arrive if you'd have just done it God's way. God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And, and, and that's what he wants you to follow. And he's not, he, But he's going to be with you every day to guide you. And the calling, stop worrying about all that. The calling will catch up with you. You'll be caught by your calling. You're, you'll be caught by it. You'll go, I didn't even realize I was, this is what God had planned for me the whole time. And, and it won't be something bad. Oh, I'm just afraid if I really yield to God, he'll make me go to Africa as a missionary. God has never sent anybody to Africa that didn't, their heart did not burn to go there. Your heart will burn to go there. People, that's all religious stuff. Oh, I'm just afraid God, you know, if I got close to God, you know, I'll have to do this. God will only call you to do what your heart burns and longs to do. Because he's gifted you for that. He's called you for that. Amen. Stand with me. God bless you. Did y'all get something out of this today? Would y'all give God praise for it then? <laughs> Hallelujah. We want to say to you uh my elders, could you guys come and, and come stand up here with me and ivory and Crawford the ones that are here this morning we and and we love you man we just want to serve you guys uh, and I told Johanna this morning I said you know next sunday you know uh you know we just we, we just want to uh and I know we've all been dealing for these last year or so with this COVID and all these things and we're not we're not making a lot of that but Man, we're just ready for things to get back more to normal around here. So we're going to put the seats back like they were. (laughs) We're going to stand up here and receive the offering like we normally do. And we're going to go back to church as normal again. Somebody's somebody's got to start it. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be getting many of our home groups going back again and our community groups. And uh, and it's just time to get back to business for Jesus and, you know, and... uh, and we respect your hearts and, you know, you just you just got to take care of your own self however you feel like that is. But, man, we're just, uh, we're ready to get, you know, we're ready to get more of our church family back together and community groups, some of our ladies' ministries and things that we've got going. We want to, we're just ready to be back together again. And I hope that sounds good to your ears. And the reason I asked them to come, if you want prayer for any reason, man, we'll pray with you. We always will do that. And I hope you know that. You can always come up to, to me and, or any of my leadership here. We're here to serve you, pray with you, believe God for you, and, uh, and, and do our best to allow God to use us to, to speak into your life. Amen. So we're here. Uh, I'm going to dismiss the congregation. If you want prayer, please come forward. Uh, if not, go and enjoy this beautiful day. We love you guys. God bless you. Amen.